Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey y'all, welcome back to the F-Bomb. Today we've got Damus Weiss and he is a foster dad. He's a a local police officer here in our town. And I just want to hear his story. He sounds like he's got a heart for serving. And, um, you know, actually we had his his wife, Kirby, on an episode. Kirby Weiss, if you remember hers, it was... Honestly, it was probably like one of my top three favorite episodes that we've done. So I won't say which rank, but it's it's definitely up there. <laughs> and um, I'm just excited to have him over because I think their story is pretty incredible. So, Damus, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And I know, like on the way here, y'all, he had a flat tire and had to get it aired up and just got back from a cruise. We did. We had a great time. Yeah. What's it? Say? What was your favorite part of the cruise? Not having any responsibilities. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like no responsibilities. I can sleep at any time. You know, eat wherever. Yeah, eat at least four or five times. You know, an hour. Yeah. And the food's delicious. The food. The food was great. Yeah. Oh, I know. I miss cruises. I'm gonna have to maybe do that again soon. Well, I love that you're like you seem rested. Maybe got a little tan. I definitely um, <laughs> definitely have a tan. So, um, and and you're here now after a flat tire because what else happens on your first day back? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, anytime you're doing uh, doing something that seems to be uh, in God's will and God's plan, and you, you always have resistance to that. So something happens, right? Always. Well, tell me a little bit about you. Um, are you from the Waco area or? No, I was originally born in Louisiana. Uh, we moved over to Texas when I was in second grade. Okay. Grew up around the Beaumont area. Mm-hmm. So we spent most of my life in that area near Beaumont, Winnie. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to Hampshire Finette. Uh, that's that's the area that we grew up and graduated from. Mm-hmm. And then about six years ago, we moved to Waco. Yeah. yeah we felt felt God calling us up here to to do something different. Awesome. Decided to put some roots down. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Whenever, um, y'all, I don't, if you haven't heard Caribbean's episode, um, I'm going to tell you something funny. Um, whenever I first met Caribbean and Damus, it was at a Home Depot. And I was newer to Waco and had been looking like for friends who would like had similar mindset and maybe involved in the foster world would be great. And so I had like friend requested Caribbean. <laughs> 
And she didn't know me, so she was like, nah. And then I was at Home Depot with another friend who happened to know you guys with anyway. Um, and she was like, Oh my gosh, that's my friend Kirby. I want to go say hi. And of course I knew who that was because she has such a distinct name. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, so embarrassing. This is the woman that like denied my friend request. So awkward. Um anyway, so it was fine. So I was like meeting you at Home Depot and I was like, Oh, <laughs> This is the woman that doesn't want to be my friend. <laughs> but it was fine. She just didn't know me. And so I got to know her, like, because of the foster care stuff a little bit more and got super interested in y'all's story because the way I hear it is that you felt really called yeah. to do foster care. And it was Caribbean that's pretty resistant. Yeah, I told Caribbean I wouldn't embarrass her, but I have to tell you this story. You just tell me, yeah. Uh, so I met Caribbean's mother. When we were in the academy uh, back in 2002, and we became friends. And then Kirby, I mean, Kirby's mom introduced me to Kirby. And uh, I remember it was Thanksgiving when they had driven up to Albuquerque, and uh, I was introduced to them, and we, we were hanging out and stuff. And uh, I remember walking up, we were, went to an Indian reservation uh, and had a good time. And I opened the door for Kirby just because that's the way I was taught. Yeah. And uh, she slammed the door and looked at me and said, don't you ever do that to me again. <laughs> so uh, I was just like, okay. But <laughs> but that was that was our first weekend together, first time we ever met. And so, I mean, I was rejected just as same as you were. Oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But then, like, we grow on her, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't very long. We were texting and calling each other. and I know. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, when I got saved in 2000, uh, God put it on my heart to to get involved with children, children's ministry. I became a children's pastor within, like, eight months of being saved. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I started a children's program at one of the local churches, and— uh, it, it it grew and just the the just the serving and the loving on the children was just part of my heart. Something God put on there. Were you like that before? I, yes. Yeah. yeah, I was. I mean, I always yeah. always had a heart for children, and you know, I would coach uh, baseball teams when I was in high school and things like that. Like that. It just it just interacting with kids and um, having an opportunity to to see them. Uh, grow and have fun and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what I have a lot of women that I talk to about foster care. And so a lot of times I get to hear about foster care um, from their perspective. And I get to hear a little bit um, from their perspective about their husbands or the men in their lives being involved in foster care. Um, and what I see a lot, what I hear a lot um, whenever it comes to men being involved in foster care, that it's almost never like, no, I don't want to help kids. Typically it's, this is so unknown. This is, this feels so scary. And I feel like a lot of times um, what I hear is that the men in these situations, their instinct, and it's not a bad one, is to go like, no, like this is my family and this is too unknown. And I don't know how to protect my family from something that I don't know or understand. I hear that a lot of times, uh, with I, there, there are a lot of families that we know of and people sometimes will ask, you know, wives of like, you know, this is what my, my husband says, you know, and I talk to a lot of husbands about it as well. They're like, 
I don't know, it's too scary mm -hmm. because you don't know. You just want to protect your own kids from yeah. anything else coming into your house. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was, I, I knew from a very young age that I wanted to foster kids. Mm -hmm. If not foster, have a group home, have a, some, some kind of involvement with children other than church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some way that I can make a, a difference in kids' lives. And honestly, actually, I, Kirby was completely against it. Uh, for the first like almost eight nine years of our marriage, she didn't. She really wasn't interested in it mm -hmm. at all. But you know, just continue to pray. And then one day she came to me. She's like, "Tell me about this fostering thing." And God put it on her heart. And I knew that He would have to put it on her heart, and that I couldn't push it on her That's because right. she would be the main person involved in mm -hmm. foster care. Yeah, because you you'd be at work. I would be at work all the time. Um, and I I remember the the first two kids that we got, the first placement. And she was so overwhelmed. She was scared. Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't, it didn't turn out well. Yeah. I she, mean, she talked about it on this episode, on her episode. But the, the second kid, you know, this little, this little redheaded kid that had the biggest smile and the biggest heart, he changed our lives forever. He had spina bifida and there was, it was the hardest kid we could have ever fostered. And he was our second placement. And, and she said after that one, like, Oh, after, everything changed. Yeah, after after Jonathan, our our lives changed forever. I mean, he he was the one that cemented in our hearts, like, yes, this is for us. We're gonna really, you know, jump in this and and put our hearts in it and and try to make a difference in each one of these kids' lives. And that's what we've been doing. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what she said as well. Um, so whenever you're talking to the men that you talk to about fostering. And I don't know, for me, whenever I talk to someone about anything that they may be resistant to, it's never me going in to try to change their mind, but maybe offer a different perspective. So I know there might be some men, but a lot of women listening. Um, I would love for you to talk about kind of coming at it from maybe not your specific perspective, because I know you feel a little bit differently than most men do. But what do you think is the most um, helpful in situations whenever spouses aren't exactly on the same page about foster care? Well, I, I, I really believe that everything begins with prayer. Mm -hmm. And, and the, uh, the husbands, the wives, they, they need to really ask themselves, if the, is this what they really want to do? Um, and and there's there's so much more to do, even if you're not fostering. Mm -hmm. But to but to answer your question, um, I always look at it from from my perspective. You know, my my family, my kids, my home, and it's my responsibility to, to protect everyone in that house. Mm -hmm. So we set guidelines. Uh, Carrie and I set guidelines. Uh, we've always had our oldest two kids, the oldest two kids in the house, mm -hmm. so that we wouldn't interrupt that 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 flow. Yeah. And that birth order. Uh -huh. So we would always have younger kids, mm -hmm. and it worked for us. And now, after having boys in our home and things like mm -hmm. that, we've we've realized that we do better with girls. Mm -hmm. So now we foster mainly girls, mm -hmm. uh, unless they're younger boys or something like that. But uh, we've had older boys in our house, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, 
So setting guidelines and figuring out in a situation like foster care, what are your family guidelines? And I think a lot of people don't know that you can set parameters. And it's it's okay and it's it's good to set parameters because only you know what will work for your family. Absolutely. You you have to it's very important and it's very important to set them mm-hmm. and then stick with them. That's because right. Because even when you set them, sometimes you'll get a call, "Hey, I've got this yeah, person, this this child that's outside your parameters and you're you're excited so you're like, "Yes." Mhm. But then you regret it because you set those parameters in your in your home for purpose. Yeah. And you and you knew whenever you were not kind of flooded with emotion about like this kiddo story, you knew why you were setting those parameters. Um and you set them whenever you are not super emotional so that you can stick with them. Yes. Yeah. Um and I think also like knowing that you can set parameters and stick with them maybe in situations where um one person in the relationship doesn't necessarily have to be a man, but one person in a relationship has a different stance um, because of the unknown of it can actually probably offer some semblance of control over the situation, um, that it's not just all of these kids, and but you can really set the rules for your home. And even if a child falls within those rules, if it's not the right time for your home for whatever reason, um, it's okay to say no. Yeah, it's it's definitely okay to say no, uh, because the the CPS they they have so many kids uh, right now, and they need so many foster parents. Uh, just coming back from the cruise, I mean, we expect to get a call this week because now we're open to accept more kids, mm-hmm. and we know it won't be very long before we'll get a phone call and say, "Hey, we have you know this kid or these two kids or." When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But getting back to not just parameters, but also understanding um, that it's okay to be vulnerable in a way, mm. uh, because you you have to realize that yes, you're you're inviting kids into your house that have trauma, mm-hmm. and you have to understand that these kids they've gone through some difficult times. That's why they've been removed from their house, mm-hmm. and you don't understand the trauma that they've they've experienced. And honestly, they just want a place that they can rest and relax and feel at peace for for a short period of time Mm -hmm. and being willing to accept that and allow that to come into your house uh knowing that they're they're not gonna they're not gonna tear your house apart they're not gonna ruin everything that you've built and done they're not gonna uh they're not gonna destroy your house or your things they they may break stuff but that's okay that's material but you have to look at the benefits of it. 
Yeah. For us, it was our, our, our own children, our personal children, uh, and seeing them grow with these foster kids. Uh, seeing when, when Jonathan came into the house and seeing our kids react with him and race him through the house, you know, and him scooting on the floor and, and beating them half the time. And just those memories that they have, uh, even though they're, you know, our son is 18 and our daughter is 17, they still remember all that. And it's, it's transformed their lives to the point where, you know, our daughter's like, she, she's, she loves kids as much as we do now. And mm-hmm. she wants to, uh, pursue a career that involves children and she's told us she, she wants to foster kids now uh, so it's made a difference in their lives uh, and knowing that we've shown them a ministry that not only benefits you know the kids but it also benefits us through growth and mm-hmm. just the the knowledge and the wisdom that we've learned uh, it's it's been an amazing experience for me um at times it's been painful too because yeah. you know you get you get a little little boy and he's two weeks old and you you know at a year old he goes back to his mom and he's calling me dad dad and things like that it's it's hard but it's yeah. worth it's worth it that's that's i think the it's moments like that situations like that um why i called this podcast the f-bomb mandy and the f-bomb because I feel like it's those situations that just wreck your whole world, that make you into a better version, the best version of who you are. And it's stepping into those situations that are difficult and challenging. And you know that at the end of the road, after pouring in all of this time and energy to the situation, you may be saying goodbye and wanting those two things at the same time to never, never have to say goodbye but to also be so happy and encouraged that this family can be together again. Yeah. I mean, it is, it wrecks you. It wrecks you. Um, but I think that for me personally, I've always thought it, it's those hard situations that are hard, but they're right, are the ones that build your character into the best version of you. You you have to look at it. What is, what am I getting out of it? Mm. And a lot of times it's not more than just knowing that you've loved a kid that needed to be loved. Mm. And for me and for Caribbean, it's a ministry for us. Uh, we accept these kids into our home, uh, and we love them as if they're our own. Yeah. Uh, we've never gone on a vacation where we didn't take them with us. And you know we've been questioned about that before. You know, it's like why would you take them? There? You know, you need to spend time with your own family. Right now, they're part of our family. That's right. That's they're right. They're part of our family. We're going to treat them that way. We're going to love them. Mm-hmm. And I hear it all the time. It's like the, it seems like the number one excuse, if I'm going to call it an excuse, is mm-hmm. I just don't think I can do it because it's too hard. I can't let them go. Mm-hmm. I was like, my and, and my rebuttal to that is, yes, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. If it's not hard when they leave, then you didn't do it right when they were oh. there. Yes, you are speaking the words that I've said so often and I feel like I'm tearing up now. That's exactly how I feel about it, is that they deserve to be loved so hard that it hurts. And that is, and I and I, I don't begrudge people who feel that way um, because I think a lot of times they just haven't thought it through, what they're saying. Yeah. But to me, what essentially 
because I have thought it through because I've had children in my home. The, the children's actual heartache, actual trauma, actual hard situation is reality. And for me personally, me going, my um, chance at having trauma, my chance at being heartbroken, my it's all hypothetical in this foster care situation. So I'm saying, no, I will not help a kiddo that really, really needs it right now is in a, a spot where they really, really, really need it because I might get hurt later. Yeah. And so for me, I just can't not do that. Yeah, the, um, the reward completely outweighs the risk. Yes. And it's something that, that you don't, you may not get anything out of it as far as like, you may not be adopting, you may not be adding to your family. There's, but you know that you know that you know that whenever that kiddo was in your home, you gave them the very best. And while you may not see the, the rewards from that um, in your lifetime, that kiddo might feel it forever. They absolutely do. Um, I have a, a story. We have, a, we have two little kids in our home for over a year. And uh, they went up for adoption, and a family stepped up, and they uh, they took them into their home. And uh, about six to eight months later, they adopted the uh, the two kids. At at that point, we had transitioned from uh, Angleton up to Waco. And then, about a year after, Kirby was down there in the uh, Angleton area, and she was walking around, and she saw the little boy and the little girl, and uh, he ran up. The little boy ran up to her, and they, you know, both of them gave her a hug, and uh, he was so excited because, you know, the, of course the the new adoptive mom was like, "Who's this stranger hugging my kids?" You know, well, how did how does what's this relationship? So Kirby had to explain to her, you know, uh, that we had fostered them for a year, and then he told us uh, that he had changed his name when he got adopted, and he changed his name to Dennis. I'm like, that is. It's a strange name to, you know, for a little boy to say, I want my name to be Dennis. And, um, but for me and Kirby, we knew right away because my dad's name is Dennis and he was always there with them. And a lot of times he was our part of our support system and he had a really good relationship with this little boy. And he remembered that and he changed his name so that he could be, you know, somebody, a role model in his life. Um, so y'all can't see me because <laughs> it's a podcast, but I'm definitely tearing up. Gosh, you just never know. You just never know um, the mark that love can leave. Yeah. Wow. Um, and obviously, sometimes you don't you don't get you know affirmation that you had that much of an impact, but it's still worth it. It's absolutely still worth it. Yeah. We we may never know the impact that we've had on you know. 20, 27, 28 kids. I can't remember how many. I have to count them. But we've we've had a lot of kids in our home, and we've we've impacted every single one of them in some way, and that's the reward. We'll yeah. we'll never know exactly what impact we had on all of them, but we know that at some point there was, and it was positive, and it completely outweighed any difficulties that we had through the process. Wow. Yeah, th there's a lot of paperwork, and there's a lot of you know hoops to jump through and things like that, but it is worth it.
And for those that are questioning, well, maybe, maybe I can't foster, mm -hmm. but what can I do? Yeah. And there's always a place for everybody That's to right. help in foster care. That's right. We used to teach a class out of our home and you know, there'd be 10, 15 people in our, in our, in a class. And it was basically, what is, what is our involvement in foster care? It was through our church. And we're like, well, if you're not fostering, but you can always do other things. You can get a foster license and you can do respite. Mm -hmm. uh, if you feel like you can't foster full time, but you can take a kid for a weekend to give another family uh, rest or if they have to go out of town or something like that, you can do respite or you can you can be uh, a support person. Uh, even even to to babysit, you have to have, you know, yeah. first aid CPR and different things. You can't just drop kids off anywhere. That's right. So it's not easy for uh, a couple to go out on a date as if all they had were their own kids. If mm -hmm. you have foster kids, it's a little bit harder. You have to have, uh, like I said, a, a good support group uh, and always prayer. I mean, we have people that pray for us all the time, and they'll they'll call us and tell us, you know, hey, we're praying for you. What do you need prayer for? You know, what does this kid need prayer for? Yeah. And then um, there's always, it, it never fails when a kid comes to the home, they usually don't have much at all. And, uh, you know, uh, if you have clothes or, you yeah. know, beds or things that you can donate to different groups. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Waco has a couple different groups that are very good at that. Um so, so there's there's always something you can do to get involved in foster care. Always. Don't feel like, well, I don't want to foster, so I'm just going to check out and not do anything. Yeah. Because it's that support system that can be all the difference. And we had another um, guest on an episode, and she said that it was absolutely their support system that made it so that they could, that foster care was sustainable for them. They were so overwhelmed. They had, at that that point I think two little toddlers and they had never been parents before and they had full-time jobs and were adjusting were so exhausted and they would have people sometimes it was people they didn't even know would take shifts from their church and would be mowing the lawn or be there right as she rolled into the driveway to help her with the kids to have her sit down and eat a meal and help with the kids and fold laundry and it it wasn't anything that anyone would think was spectacular, but it was support. It was, we see you. We know this is hard. We're we're not going anywhere. And it makes all the difference. It really does. It's very helpful. Uh, you, you never know how much laundry you have until you add two kids and all their laundry right on top of it, and you realize, man, that's a lot of clothes to fold. Yeah, uh, Damus, we're an eight-kid family. I, I get it. I get laundry as a whole thing. Yeah, we... We at one point had nine kids. Yep, uh, I'm sure Carrie mentioned that, but <laughs> she did. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we had nine nine children in our home, and they were all fairly young kids. And we wouldn't have made it without the support system that we had at our church. And the benefits of that, you know, my sister watching us walk through this, you know, so she's she's now adopted a child out of foster care. Uh, we have several friends that have adopted children out of foster care. We have several friends that have become foster parents mm -hmm. just so that they could uh, be part of the story. Uh, so you, you never know what impact you're going to have. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, for, for us, it's been, it's been a positive one. Yeah. And we've, we've definitely loved the walk. Yeah, it's a hard one, but it's a beautiful one.
Yeah, and it's it's worth every minute of it. Yeah, that's right. Well, before I let you go, um, so we do something on the F-bomb every episode. Um, I give my guests a, a minute to think about it. Um, if you had to pick, thinking about foster care, what was your F-bomb moment? When did you know, because of foster care, oh, man, I'm never, never going to be the same again. Some people, it's a season. Some people have a moment. For me, it was it was Jonathan. Yeah. It was it was Jonathan because uh, when they called us, they said, "Hey, we have this little boy, and he he has special needs. He has spina bifida. He's in a wheelchair. He's going to need to be. He's got a catheter that has to be changed. He's got all these medical issues, and he's you know he's. It's not going to be easy, and we were like, "Bring it on, let's do it," and. We were, at, at first we were a little scared because then we, you know, they call us and said, okay, we'll be there in an hour. <laughs> like, but we don't know how to change a catheter. We don't know how to do any of these things that this kid needs. So yeah. we had to call a friend of ours who was a nurse. So she came over to the house and she's like, I'll walk you through it and I'll teach you how to do everything that you need to do. And Jonathan rolled into our living room and just the smile on his face changed our lives forever. Mm. I love that. And it was... I think it's so poignant that it was it was the hard thing. It's y'all stepped into doing probably one of the hardest placements that you could have as your second placement. Um but that's what was your moment. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming in and wrecking my day in the best way. I wore waterproof mascara just in case. <laughs> um I really appreciate you coming. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, and you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.